Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of the Make It Stack podcast. I'm your host, Will Waterhouse, and I'm here to help demystify the world of saving and investing for young people. So in this episode, I speak with Tom, also known as Zone Finance UK on Instagram. Tom works in accountancy and is passionate about improving financial literacy by breaking down key concepts into a simple way. Budgeting is a key area that he focuses on, specifically things like emergency funds, sinking funds, and utilising money dashboard, allowing him to view all accounts in one place. We also talk about other ideas such as leveraging your nine to five and uh, talking through the rationale behind having 97% of his assets in index funds. So without further ado, let's get into it. Well, Tom, um, thanks so much for uh, coming on the, the Make It Stack podcast. Uh, it's always great to, to talk to a, a sort of fellow Instagram uh, influencer um, and just to get their thoughts on, on just the whole world of personal finance and investing because it's a super interesting area and there's definitely a, um, there's definitely a, a, an increase in, in the amount of interest that, that, that personal finance is getting on social media. So um, it would just be awesome if you could just provide a little bit of background about yourself I know you're from Leeds, I think, or um, you're up in Yorkshire, which is where I'm from originally, which is awesome. But yeah, just, mm-hmm. just give you just give yourself a bit of an intro. Be sick. Yeah, sure. So I guess I started the page um, end of June, I think it was. Um, just had an interest in personal finance, really. Um, wanted to kind of spread the knowledge because whenever I was at a pub or something talking to my mates, no one ever seemed to have an interest in it. Uh, so I thought I'd find some, you know, like-minded uh, people on Instagram, and I was actually quite surprised by how many different pages kind of spread the similar message. Um, so yeah, I'm currently doing a grad scheme up in, well, I'm in Leeds right now, um, kind of living with my girlfriend, um, working for a company in London, um, moving back. We, we've been remote working recently, so that's why I've been able to do that and kind of moving back to the office start of October. So moving back to London then. Um, yeah, well, so, I'm, do, so I'm, an, I'm on a grad scheme in uh, accountancy. So the, I'm doing a SEMA qualification. So uh, harder way at work uh, with that. I know you did, you said you did level one CFA, right? I did, yeah. So I, I, uh, I was originally going to sit CFA level one in June, 2020. And I started my uh, my Fitch um, uh, sort of teaching uh, down in London, and then basically COVID happened, and uh, it everything was kind of put on ice, and so I, I didn't actually sit the exam until uh, late February. I actually did the exam in Leeds, believe it or not, um, but it was um, it was actually quite chilled out because um, it was it was kind of similar to to doing your driving theory where you turn up there'd be maybe three other people in the, in the test center and you just sort of get on and do it. And, um, I think that would have been a, a lot less stressful than going to the Excel center in, in London, uh, with thousands of other, uh, fellow CFAs just, just cramming. Um, but, but yeah, it was, um, it was quite stressful looking back doing the exam. I'm not sure how you're finding yours, but, uh, I, I, I still haven't committed yet to level two. I, I think, I think I'm happy to, to maybe focus on the channel for the time being. Um, mm. But um, how, how, how have you found your accountancy qualification interacting with your investment knowledge and, and your page? Because that, some of that must be quite useful. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I'm more of like kind of a personal finance rather than kind of an investing page outright. I'm basically 97% in index funds in terms of my portfolio. I'm quite a hands-off kind of passive investor. Um, just more for the long term so it, doing the accountancy qualification has definitely helped um, just in terms of the background knowledge and you know looking at financial statements balance sheets and trying to understand the actual aspect that kind of aspect when you look at individual stocks um, I'm only halfway done with my qualification so I had you know, I had four exemptions when I joined at 16 exams um, but yeah just it's hard work, as you can imagine, uh, you know, working sort of nine to five, then revising afterwards. 
um but it's definitely helped in terms of understanding uh different well in my case uh one of my i had a whole module on kind of budgeting um so that was quite helpful in terms of a personal finance standpoint kind of adapted my budget had a few extra templates that i use um and it's kind of helped me save a bit more money that way um so yeah it's just been helpful really yeah and so you mentioned that 97 percent of your um, investments are passive um i mean i think that's fairly smart to be honest because so where i'm coming from uh i I sort of was mostly actively managing my portfolio. It's in, not so much direct equities, but uh, mm-hmm. actively managed funds. And the more I seem to learn about this stuff, the more I'm like, hmm, I should probably put more money into passive. Um, yeah. But um, so where, what, what sort of account have you got? Is it, is it kind of like a nutmeg account where it's sort of automatically rebalanced? Uh, is, or is it like where, whereabouts are you holding, holding your investments? So I guess I started when I was 20, um, I guess. And I actually went with a robo-advisor first off. I didn't know anything about investing. So I did like £25 a week, I think it was. Um, It was into Wealthify. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're like a new one on the the blocks, I guess. Okay. Um, So I did that for, I think, about a year and a half and just slowly saw it build up. And whilst I kind of, learn about a bit more about investing and then the, the way i actually did it was um my dad has a financial advisor that he sees like, i don't know once every two years or something so when he came, so when my dad went to see him i was like oh can i come just to sit in the meeting or whatever and then i just asked him at the end of the meeting do you have any advice for me like what should i be doing <laughs> and he was like mate just open up an account and just stick it into various vanguard funds so open up a vanguard account um and just been okay. there ever since i mean you know life strategy um 60 turn equities uh and also the 80 percent one i mean a, a few hsbc funds as well um and just kind of built it up from there really i i've basically just started from absolute no knowledge obviously like everyone i suppose but probably when i was 20 so i had a a couple years there where i wasn't investing after 18 yeah. um but yeah, I mean, I just direct debit into sort of uh, my life. I have a life with uh, AJ Bell. So direct debit into there every month, try and max out the 4K allowance and then try and max out my 16K allowance with, um, in, in terms of an ISA. Uh, you just try okay. and get the, the full 20K benefit each year. Oh, so I, I guess, so you're, you're, you must be saving for a, for a house then, given that you've got a lifetime ISA. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so kind of um, my risk tolerance is kind of split. I have uh, kind of a medium term goal, uh, sort of three to five years, I'd like to buy a property. Um, And then my longer term is just basically into kind of higher risk funds, uh, more equity based funds, um, where I don't really have a plan for at the moment. It's just kind of every month just trying to grow, uh, trying to grow it in terms of trying to get uh, the maximum compound sort of benefit. Uh, the only real major purchase that I look that I'm probably going to spend on in the next probably three to five years would be would be a house. That's why I'm trying to focus on my life as well. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lifetime ISA, and I'm currently down in London, and I'm I'm miles off uh, getting a getting a house deposit. I mean, one of my uh, flatmates, he's uh, he's bought a house recently, so he's like completed an exchange contracts and. Uh, I think it was 80k uh, deposit on on a value of 480k. So it's 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 a lot of money, and that and that was for a, uh, a two bed flat, which is pretty small, no garden, yeah. uh, sort of zone zone two London. Um, so I, I'm just thinking in my head, well, if I need if I'm going to need sort of yeah around that much money, maybe maybe slightly less if I get a one bed. You know, I'm I'm still miles off, so I may as well just keep my risk level fairly high. So at the moment, yeah. for me, I'm I'm uh, so I have I have pretty much all my investments with Hargreaves Lansdowne, okay. like because I I used to work uh, for Hargreaves Lansdowne after after I finished uni. Um, I actually worked on the investment help desk there. <laughs> so oh, nice. if, you, if you had a question 
uh, a wide variety of questions, you know, technical questions about your funds or, or simply a password reset. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. be, I would be the, the first port of call, uh, which is, which is, very interesting you know that that to me really opened my eyes in terms of you know what's what's available to to individuals you know if you actually spend the time yeah, sure. to, to learn about about this stuff but so yeah i was there for for just over 18 months and then yeah and then moved to london um but yeah i, I hold all my assets with hl i've got a lifetime isa a stocks and shares isa and then uh, and then a, a workplace pension with them. Yeah. So nice. that's kind of the situation. But I'm I'm fully in equities, uh, with with them, and, and I do have a, a I do dilly dally in crypto. I'm not sure if you're in crypto, but I've got I've got uh, like 1500 quid in Coinbase in um, in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, I'm not yeah, sure. I'm, um, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I'm in. Um... Uh, my portfolio is about two percent crypto at the moment. I'm split between yeah, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and uh, Cardano. Um, pretty even split between them all now because of the recent pump in Cardano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just just quickly on that. So my my mates at work are in Cardano, and like I might put you on the spot here, but what what actually is the difference between Cardano and Ethereum? Like, could, could you so, explain that? Yeah, I guess from my view, it's just kind of a, a quicker, slicker platform, and it's also um, a lot cheaper to run than Ethereum would be. I think the main principle with Cardano is it's not actually out here. It's it may not work, so that's why it's. Yeah, I guess it's fairly risky. Uh, it's kind of heavily based around smart contracts. I guess kind of like Ethereum, um, but it's essentially a, a sleeker version of it, which is, I guess, it's a really simple yeah. way of describing it. But yeah, I'm also kind of learning about um, crypto as well. So it's kind of like investing a small portion into it just because I know I like, don't know much about it, to be honest. Um, but trying to, as I, as I kind of invest more and more, I'm also picking up more, more on it. Yeah, I feel like a, a big thing that drives your learning is actually having skin in the game. <laughs> yeah yeah for um, sure i think that's what got me when i first started investing i think what actually made me get the wealthify account which i spoke about at the start was my first workplace pension and i was thinking i just kind of even though it was just a pension like i was i was on an internship and i was literally putting like i think it was like 20 quid in a week but then obviously with the employer match and everything i was getting like 50 quid uh, so 20 pound a month into it and then with mm. the employer match it was kind of being boosted to 50 quid and after a year, it was, you know, suddenly at like a grand. And I was thinking, oh, I, I want to do this a bit more. So I obviously started the Wealthify, but it's, it's crazy how it all works. And, you know, you, got, you have to have skin in the game to actually, I think, get motivated to learn about things, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, just, just going back to crypto, I, I do think blockchain technology has legs and I don't think it's going anywhere. Like, I think it's here to stay. I guess the key question I have is, who are going to be the the winners out of out of this you know emerging technology, and so mm. part of me wants to just you know back back all the horses. You know, there's that quote by uh, Jack Bogle from Vanguard, which is you know like don't don't try and find the needle in the haystack, just buy the haystack. Mm. So that's kind of my view on crypto, but it's such an emerging um, industry at the moment. I mean, I'm not sure if you, yeah if you've got Coinbase, but there's there's just so many new cryptocurrencies being launched, like almost yeah. daily, it seems. Um, and, you know, some of them will, you know, probably a lot of them will go to zero, but some of them might do really well. Um, so, yeah, I think something I, I should think about is trying to find some kind of passive crypto option that, that just sort of spreads my exposure in a fairly low cost way. Yeah, I've seen some, some companies, I can't name them, but I've, been reading about um some kind of uh kind of like etf <laughs> crypto base um you know bunching up you know, putting a bunch of cryptos together and kind of trading as like kind of a just a fund really um which i'd be quite interested in um i think that would kind of be a good exposure to multiple different uh, i guess coins yeah yeah, that's, that sounds good. Um, and so 
just going back to your uh, Instagram uh, channels, like you, you mentioned before that you were quite interested in uh, providing information on budgeting and things like that. What, what would you say your, your main focus is for, for the channel and the areas of expertise that, that you'd be able to help people with on that? I suppose end goal is kind of just a general financial education platform. Um, I guess where just beginner investors can sort of gain knowledge, um, how the basics of overall investing and, you know, improving financial literacy. I guess at present, it's kind of a mixture of informative posts for educational purposes, but also fairly transparent breakdown of me on my financial journey. Um, yeah, I think I'm fairly open that I'm, you know, not an expert at all on it and I'm, kind of just showing what I'm doing and trying to improve, you know, reading books, uh, displaying my kind of budgets, my portfolio and uh, my reasoning behind certain things. I think it's just kind of breaking it down for the average person because, you know, when I talk to, even when I talk to my mates about it and I say something, you know, really simple, like, oh, uh, just make sure you, you know, live below your means. And they're like, oh, what does that mean? And, you know, the really simple things that, even just because I've been doing it, you know, for three or four years and, you know, everyone that's been doing it for, you know, a bit of time knows all these simple things, but just the average person just doesn't understand. Yeah, it's, I actually get quite upset about stuff like that because I'm in the same position where I've, I've got friends who are in their mid, mid-20s who are, you know, in stable jobs, earning a monthly salary and, and saving, but they're not really aware of yeah. of the problem they're trying to solve which is to to start to you know protect your wealth against inflation and to harness the power of compound interest and yeah uh, I, I, I but i <laughs> yes yeah, so i you know I, I find myself in the pub just uh just like nudging them and they, they 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 probably get really fed up with me really but the thing is is that with with finance and investing it's um like like it or loathe it you still need to do it and yeah. and at the end of the day uh if you do it well you, you'll be much you'll be much more happy you'll be much better off and you'll be able to live a, a better quality of life so i think it's it's yeah it's worth giving your friends the nudge uh, every so often just to spread the word yeah i think the the biggest thing for me and my mates is i was just like literally just start with you know 25 quid a week and they're like oh but i don't have 25 quid a week and then they'll go up to the bar <laughs> and order another round for everyone and it's like well clearly you do so just budget and then they're like but oh, i can't be bothered to do a budget it's just things like that where you, you you kind of have to want to sit down for an hour or so to evaluate things to actually be able to change and i think that's the i think it, it will click with them eventually after i remind them that you know 10 times a year but it's just getting there <laughs> yeah well, I mean, uh, t- to be honest, from my perspective, uh, I-, I-, I wouldn't say I have an explicit budget in place. I have, I have a monthly direct debit that goes into an MS- MSCI World ETF. Yeah. And, um, and then I put, I think it's like £100 into a savings account. But aside from that, I don't actually have any other budget um, things in place. So what, what would you advise for anyone that's wanting to get a start with budgeting? What would be your kind of go-to things to think about? Um, oh, I, so I have kind of a zero base budget where I'll basically list out my income for the month, um, take away kind of all my expenses and it's kind of left with a certain amount. And then I allocate that to different either investments, crypto, um, savings accounts, but it essentially makes sure that uh, every single pound I earn is being put to use. Um, it also allows me then at the start of the month to know how much I can invest and kind of pay myself first. So, I mean, as long as I, uh, what I always say is, you know, pay, obviously pay yourself first. So it sounds like that's what you're doing with direct debits. As soon as you get paid, money comes out of your account to investments, you can spend the rest. And then I sent, uh, essentially I just do that uh, every single month because um, at the moment, so I had a period, I think from, about March to July, where I didn't even touch my budget, uh, just because I knew nothing was going to change in the four months. But in the last few months, I'm preparing to move back to London. So I've been having to alter my budget somewhat, just to prepare for uh, a deposit for the flat I'm moving into and to pay my first month's rent up uh, upfront. Um, so it essentially means that this month I'm paying two rents. I'm paying a rent in London and a rent in Leeds. Um, 
so I mean I think budgeting helps with that because now I could still I could still figure out um, how much I was able to invest this month before I was actually paid so when I was paid I could invest that amount and I knew that I'm now covered um, with all my finances finances for the month or the next month as well and uh, I suppose on top of that it means I won't be touching my savings because it's quite easy um, if you don't know how much you actually are spending to then go into your savings and dip into your savings from month to month to month yeah and in, and in terms of your savings accounts do you have you know sub accounts within that so do you have say an emergency fund and then a normal one how how do you uh, bucket those those amounts of money so yeah i have an emergency fund where i have i only have three months worth of expenses in there i'm on a three-year contract with my grad scheme which is pretty secure um and if i needed any other money after that three months i you know i could um put it out from um certain investments um so i just have three months i don't have any kids i don't have a mortgage or anything so so it's not too many expenses but on top of my emergency fund i put money into sinking funds which is essentially money for kind of planned expenses so i've got a sinking fund on the go right now for my car insurance and car servicing so i put 50 to 60 quid a month into that so when it comes around to getting my car insurance or my car service i have that money available i don't need to dip into my emergency fund um for christmas i try and save up about five or six hundred pounds throughout the year so i do 50 pound a month into that sinking fund um so i have 600 pound to to for gifting for you know christmas meals because obviously december is quite a heavy month you have you know, you have a few pub trips you have a few meals out you have work events you have presents to buy um you might have extra fuel costs where you're traveling around the country to go and see people so i just make sure things like that are planned as well yeah that, that, that's that's cool um and in terms of keeping track of all this stuff do you do you use any specific mobile applications or or excel like how do you how do you keep track of all of all these different uh, budgets that you have in place so i did use excel but i was using my uni license for it and then when that expired i didn't want to pay oh. like 120 quid or something oh, man, you, gotta, so you gotta do it you gotta do it <laughs> so i use google docs because it's free okay <laughs> proper cheapskate it's a sad but, it's, um, it's, a, it's a sad day isn't it? i remember that time vividly where you go into your excel and it's like nah sorry bro <laughs> yeah. and you, you the only time you go on excel is when you desperately need it as well so that was pretty disappointing um but other than that i guess um i use this app called money dashboard which rolls all my accounts and my investment accounts into uh kind of one application um, so you can kind of see uh, how you're spending um, and you can see the value of like all your accounts in one. Um, it's just a bit of an easier method for me when I'm actually doing my budget rather than going on to like the 10 different apps I have um, and trying to work it out. I just go into money dashboard and it'll tell me a straight up breakdown um, of what's in what account. So sorry, is that, is that, money da- is that a website money dashboard or is it an application? Uh, it's an application, but it's also a website, yeah. Okay, so you just you just um, go on the website and then you can download download the application, and then go from there. Yeah, and you can um, you basically link your bank accounts to it. Um, uh, yeah, it's completely safe and everything. I actually um, was involved in the uh, it did a crowdfunding about six months ago, so I put a few hundred quid into it because I just use it all the time. So I just kind of believe in it. <laughs> I got like the the Series A funding or whatnot. That was oh, quite, right. that was quite oh, fun. Cool. I, I have absolutely no idea where my money's gone. Couldn't really find out too much information, but <laughs> well, if it turns into the, it. <laughs> if, 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 if it turns into uh, you know a groundbreaking fintech corporation, I'm sure you'll be you'll be uh, minted <laughs> as a result. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's stories of people that went in Series A Uber and they've just like mm. a thousand times their money. Uh, but no, I, I think I think just. And if you if you if you use a product and you believe in it, then that in itself was almost enough to to invest in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I have I haven't um, put my, put any money in, in sort of Series A or crowdfunding things, but it's quite a lot of stuff. I just wanted to learn more. I just wanted to learn more about it, to be honest. Um, and I just used it all the time. I thought if there's ever something to uh, take advantage of, it's probably this. I also did. Um, <laughs> A regret was doing um, being in the IPO for delivery because <laughs> um, I absolutely tanked on the first day. And I've, I think as of today, I'm about, I'm only like, you know, 
about five percent down but it got to a stage where me and my girlfriend both did it because i was like oh yeah just do it just do it it'll be good <laughs> um but it was just a bit of kind of like fun money that we were just like oh well, well we use it all the time um <laughs> i think whenever we get food delivery so why don't we do it uh, and we, we can't quite enjoy it so yeah that, that absolutely tanks so that has ruined my enthusiasm for ipos <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I actually worked for Deliveroo back in 2016. <laughs> so I, I worked in Harrogate, which is, isn't too far from where you are, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, just pedaling around on my bike. And it was, uh, it was during the early days of um, this sort of industry. So Uber mm-hmm. Eats hadn't come to the fore yet. So Deliveroo basically had a monopoly in Harrogate. And uh, I, was on a, I was on a commission basis. So we got, we got paid £4 a drop. And you could actually earn some pretty good money. So as a as a twenty year old student on holiday, you know, earning earning sixty pounds for four hours works, you know, pretty good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was good. But uh, I mean, I've never actually used Deliveroo myself. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I mean, just just sort of from being on the other side, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, just having having some like sweaty cyclists like. Like yeah, putting everything in the bag. I don't know. It's probably it's probably hygienic. It's probably all good. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I, uh, I do remember when they IPO'd, and um, apparently one of the reasons the IPO tanked was that there were loads of concerns surrounding like poor ESG credentials for the for Deliveroo in terms of mm. uh, poor workers' rights. So so the sort of social social part of the ESG, and um, like I think asset managers who were who were sort of looking to you know buy into uk companies i think they potentially passed up on delivery or more so than yeah. expected and I, I think there was a bit of a, a bit of a uh, yeah that, that might have resulted in the share price declining after after it launched but uh, fair play yeah. fair play for going into it um it's always fun going into an ipa but you're probably going to get burned most of the time yeah because the thing is is you've got You've got the investment banks and and like all these other institutional players that probably get first dibs on all the, on all on all the uh, more favourable prices. Um, yeah. So, but no. Uh, it's, but it's, well, it was a good experience. I think if I was to be burning an idea, I'm glad it was just you know a bit of fun money rather than uh, you know twenty grand or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel like yeah, putting twenty grand in an IPO when you don't really know how it works. I feel like an IPO is a bit like a black box; like it just sort of does stuff, and you, you don't really know why it does it. But you know, yeah, every day it was just. So I kept looking at it every day, like every morning uh, when the uh, markets opened, and it was like, all right, just down another eight percent today. <laughs> and it, it got to the stage where I think, yeah, I, it dropped about about fifty percent from the original price and um yeah we're working our way back up and i think it was a couple of weeks ago where i'd actually i was a few percent up in it and i was like oh should i just pull it out but i was like no we've been through this ride i'm just gonna keep it in yeah i mean it's it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a big slogan on my account but yeah keep calm and ride the vol uh <laughs> as in volatility that, that that's that's kind of one of my main slogans and uh yeah. i think i think i think yeah if you believe in a company uh, and the share price goes down that in theory that shouldn't really phase you as an investor because you understand the intrinsic value that it provides um, yeah. and uh i'm yeah i'm kind of in that position with tesla but i do think it's properly overvalued uh, yeah. i've been i've been in tesla since uh january 2018 so oh, wow. i'm up yeah i'm up quite a bit on that but um there has been some fairly hefty drawdowns along the way but i think i think um I'm happy with all of my individual equity positions and I'll just be boring now on and just put it into, put it into an MSCI world hmm. uh, tracker fund and just, just try and be really efficient from a fee, fee perspective. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, this is the brilliant thing about technology improving is that uh, people like you and me can get into really diversified low cost stuff without that much hassle. Um, yeah, I think, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think I think back in the day you you'd be spending you know two or three percent uh, transaction charges to to get into a fund and now now it's you know essentially zero in a lot of platforms so mm. yeah, it's good to see yeah I always look I mean in terms of my expense ratio the highest I'm in right now is 0.23 percent I don't really go beyond the 0.25 percent region 
in terms of actual, wow. you know, fan fees. Is is that um, um, is that including the platform charges as well? Is that like is that like the total expense ratio? So my total expense would be about 0.4 percent is my max. Um, That's good. So in terms of platform fees, normally don't look past about 0.15 percent. Um, but if the whole kind of fund with platform fee is below 0.4 percent, I'll normally um, approve them. Um, obviously, just kind of see the power of it. Obviously, starting when I did at twenty, um, if I with a long term horizon, by the time I'm sixty, you know, even half a, half a percent turns out to be a hundred, a couple hundred k. Just yeah. very mindful of it. Yeah, I saw that you did uh, quite an interesting reel, just showing that with it with a calculator. Which yeah, it's a really it's a really good suggestion, and I, I think that a lot of people focus on you know, chasing the next, you know, hot fund manager uh, mm-hmm. and they, they're going to be spending, you know, probably at least uh, 0.5% a year more. And there's been lots of research done that suggests that it's very unlikely that a fund manager will outperform over the long run. So yeah, yeah it, it, is, it is a case of passive investments. But do, can you ever see yourself ever dabbling in actively managed funds or do you think you'll just simply stick with the, the lifestyle strategy and and the passive funds i maybe when i'm done with um my accountancy qualification um at the moment working you know nine to five with uh two three hours of revision a night don't really have the time for it which is why i made the decision to just be a bit bit more um hands off um when i finish my qualification and i have more free time um i think i think i could see myself you know maybe having 10 percent uh, actively managed, but I think as a nine tenth of my portfolio will be probably always hands off. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I think for me, I'm I'm definitely targeting at least seventy five percent passive, and then mm. and then some crypto, and then uh, actively managed, and and then equities. So that sounds good. Um, and then so aside, so we mentioned the budgets on your Instagram account. Do you have any sort of other key areas of, of kind of uh, focus for, for that particular channel? Yeah, so, uh, so I've, I was looking through my post today, actually, and I've realized, like, unintentionally, I've been focusing quite a lot on pensions, um, which I guess is your current area of expertise, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose just getting in the game early there benefiting from your employer match um and time in the game especially with the uh the tax benefits i guess in the future i want to focus a bit more on crypto and as i start looking for real estate myself i i want to start talking about that because i think once i've actually bought my house um i want to start and uh, i want to kind of uh, be in the buy to let space and sort of property investing i think that 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 really interests me as well um I think that those are some long-term goals, but at the moment it's just really just been about um, pensions, budgeting, things like that on my page. Yeah, well, I think I think pensions are really important, and it's it's definitely the the biggest lump of money that anyone's that most people are going to have in in their life that accumulates. So, you know, you need to focus on on getting that right. That that's a very important thing, and. So for me, actually, I didn't mention this before, but my, my pension is held with Aviva and uh, I, I'm actually in the default strategy. I haven't, I haven't dabbled with that at all. Um, that, that actually consists of, um, I think it's, I think it's uh, 65% developed market equities and 35% emerging market equities. And they're both mm-hmm. index funds, but they're, they're systematic in nature. I'm not sure if you heard of the uh, Elgin Future World Fund, Legal and General Future World Fund. It's it's like yeah. It's like, yeah so it, it's like um, a tracker fund, but it systematically screens out certain companies based on certain things like um, like controversial weapons, coal, and it and it targets uh, specific uh, equities that have good uh, signals in terms of quality and value. So it's quite, it's kind of like the middle ground between an actively managed fund and a passive fund. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, and, and some pretty clever people have designed that. So I think I'm just going to say, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just do what you need to do. And uh, I think yeah. I'll just, I'll just, I'll hold that for the time being. 
Uh, and in terms of the employer contributions, I think they double match if I, if I add a certain percentage contribution as well. So okay. I think it's, pretty, it's a pretty cushy arrangement. I think, it, I think it's uh, something like 17% of my gross salary in total goes in every year, which is pretty good. That's good. Yeah, uh, so good. I think I'm just gonna sit tight on that and just and let that let that tick over and, and forget about it really because I, I think it's in the in the best place right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Really. Yeah, I was when I first joined my company. I'm in almost the same uh, position as you, but with Fidelity, but in terms of like a tracker fund, seventy five percent developed, twenty five percent emerging. Um, so I mean, it might sound pretty similar to yours, and I was quite happy with it. Um, when I first started doing my pension, um, something like 10% of it was weighted in Tessa, um, whilst it shut up. So my sort of annualized returns when I, within like three months of doing my pension was like 40% or something, which was pretty mental, but obviously it's decreased since then, since they've taken, um, a large chunk of Tessa out of, <laughs> out of the fund. But, um, which no, fund, yeah. which fund was that? It's a specific company fund that Fidelity of like um Okay. I work yeah for quite a big company, but it's just a specific one. Specific There's one. no it, I think it's um most similar to can't remember the name, it's a BlackRock one. Okay. Cause I, I um I'm in Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, uh which is I'm not sure if you heard of it, it's a it's a UK listed investment trust and it's big on global growth shares, so very big on tech. And Tesla has been at least ten percent of, of of the portfolio, so, so they've had like a multi-billion-pound position on Tesla because mm. uh, it, yeah, it's I can't remember the assets of the management for Scottish Mortgage, but it's it's pretty large. It's it's a FTSE one hundred listed company, Scottish Mortgage. Yeah, I have I've heard of it. But, yeah, um, I think S, SMT is the ticker, but mm. um, but yeah, it's, it's it's been really it's been really crazy to see the the, the sort of the growth stock craze that's happened and then the sell-off and then the rebounding late Q2, Q3. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, all good stuff. But, yeah, so, so it's interesting that we're both, yeah, sticking with, sticking with the default strategies for pensions. Um, but, yeah, you, men- you mentioned uh, before that you're interested in getting into the buy-to-let space. Uh, do you want to just talk a little bit about your rationale for, for wanting to do that? Um, that would be helpful. Yeah, I suppose... In my opinion, it would be a good way of kind of diversifying away from, you know, traditional, I guess, um, index funds. Um, I'm quite interested in building equity in different ways. So I guess putting money down, deposit, and then uh, I suppose having it, having tenants kind of pay the mortgage off for me. <laughs> it seems, sounds quite appealing. Uh, it's a really simple kind of answer. Uh, obviously, a lot of work has to go into it. but. Um, just quite interested interested in that sort of space. Um, feel like if you do it well, the returns um, are fairly substantial. You can have sort of uh, return rates between you know fifteen and twenty percent um, a year if you you know invest in the right areas. So right now in Leeds, for example, property prices are super cheap. It's becoming like they're almost a second finance district. Um, ton of blocks are just going up right now um having a real surge so it's just looking out for opportunities and things like that really yeah and i suppose with property you can potentially make leverage work for you as well in terms yeah. of bor- borrowing money and and putting that in in the property market so i guess that's something that's another positive too isn't it yeah yeah for sure i mean um yeah, I mean, just exactly what you said, just utilizing the leverage and um, trying to make gains that way. It's just a, a bit different to, towards, I guess, traditional, you know, stocks and shares, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of the, like, property and the, the market, do you, do you feel like the north of England is is uh, having oh, yeah. a bit of a resurgence? Because, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I, yeah, I was born in Harrogate and I sort of grew up there and, I remember Leeds just not being that great, but every every time I've been back to Leeds over like the last five years, it's always seemed pretty nice. I feel like the city centre's rejuvenating quite a bit, and there's been a lot of infrastructure investment. Uh, did you have the same kind of 
um opinion on that like given that you live there now yeah i mean i've been so obviously i only moved here last september just to kind of work remotely um my girlfriend who's living here and i was you know so impressed with um the investment um around the area so many new builds um it's all quite nice like i live right by leeds dock um it's just just so nice and uh been really impressed with it and the more i see it the more i think the more we've kind of traveled around up north um on our our weekends been really interested in like all the city centers and how how nice they actually are because i I lived in bournemouth before and you kind of get an opinion of the north as being not so great (laughs) but it's been completely it's been completely the opposite um yeah i've actually really really enjoyed it and been really impressed with it yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, think the, I think the North gets a bad rep, to be fair. And uh, no self divide. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, I mean, like, I guess, I guess there's there's deprivation all over the country, really. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I do obviously have, have a have a soft spot for Yorkshire for sure. Um, <laughs> but um, so if you were to, if you were to do your buy to let things in the future, would you consider? Uh, buying property in Leeds, given that you know the area, and you mentioned before that the house prices are quite cheap. Um, mm. Would that be something you consider, or would you look uh, maybe maybe in London if you're going to move back down there? I think I'd definitely look up north. I think it probably wouldn't be too worth it buying somewhere so as expensive as in London. Um, I think initially you'd go for somewhere you know fairly cheap up north, um, something where you know, maybe you could get a house for, you know, 150K or something like that. So even if you put 10% down, uh, 15K, um, rather than going, you know, houses or flats in London, that, as you mentioned earlier, circling near like 500K. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how house prices evolve in terms of the relative difference between prices in London and, and the rest of the country, because mm. COVID has been such a game changer in terms of making remote working uh, acceptable and integrated into the way in which people carry out day-to-day business. So yeah. from my perspective going forward, I mean, I, I like the idea of working from the North and still, and still, you know, maybe going down to London you know, once or twice, uh, or like once a week or something um you know it's yes i think i think potentially uh properties in towns like leeds and maybe york as well so my parents from york and i think the property market there's popping off as well uh, yeah so yeah no, it's, it's, it's it'd be interesting to th- think about how that will evolve well definitely i mean I, I mean i went into the office um when was it i think june um in london and i think i left here at like it wasn't even that early like six six a.m and i got to the office by about uh ten past nine or something so even if that was once a week i'd actually consider it i think um it was about yeah it was like only like a two hour 15 minute train um mm. into king's cross i think it was um and yeah i mean i'd definitely consider it if it was once a week because you get so much more for your money and in terms of rent but I mean, actually being in the city centre, I've found all the prices to be quite similar to the south. It's just the only real saving I've actually seen has been on rent, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the, the cost of my living has gone down, even living in London, because I, I don't need to get the tube every day. So you, yeah. you'd, spend, you'd spend six pounds getting the tube there and back. And, you know, if you want to have uh, a fairly decent lunch, i.e. not a meal deal from Tesco's, you know, you could yeah. easily spend another five pounds on lunch so you know go, going back to your budgeting kind of interest you know that's that's 11 pounds a day that you're spent mm. that you essentially have to spend i mean i do i do cycle into the office occasionally but uh yeah i mean i think covid has really helped me be way more efficient in terms of my cost of living even in london yeah i think also, I think employers are going to have a real struggle on their hands actually really forcing everyone back, you know, if they wanted to five days a week, just because of that, those reasons you just mentioned, and people are saving so much more money. They have more money and they don't want to give this up, which is, I've been reading a few articles that, you know, people are actually accepting, you know, salary reductions to work from home, um, which is quite interesting. Cause, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and um yeah it's just cr- pretty crazy to be honest and people also those 
those ones that have moved out of the city during lockdown and quite fancy staying there and working remotely. They're getting salary reductions as well because they're no longer in the city premium um, in terms of salary band. So I've been seeing lots of that on the news and stuff. Um, so it's be, it'd be pretty interesting to see how we fare in like the next year or so. <laughs> well, I hope that my employee doesn't give me a salary reduction because that'd be, that'd be really sad. Uh, regardless, I mean, I mean, yeah, I've only been to the office literally three times over the last 18 months. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what, what's your, uh, how, do you have a kind of like a long-term plan in terms of what you're thinking in terms of your career? Like, do, do you think the, I know you mentioned the Instagram account in terms of becoming a platform for financial literacy. Have you thought about integrating that into your kind of, you know, future career or is this simply like a sort of passion project for the time being? Um, I'd say at the moment it's kind of like a hobby, a passion project, as you say. Um, I would like to grow it into, you know, potentially anything, you know, if you could make some, I guess, additional money, uh, provide additional income. Um, I think that's quite far down the line at the moment. I just want to focus on, you know, trying to make as good content as I can, um, yeah. trying to interact with kind of like-minded people to kind of improve my knowledge as well. Um, I quite like the role I'm in. Um, and I see on the Instagram sort of pages, I see a lot of like kind of nine to five bashes when I actually think it's actually a great way to actually initially yeah. build well. 100%. And to, for the next 10 years or so, I'm definitely going to utilize my nine to five to kind of fund my side, side kind of hustle. So I guess the, the page, maybe after I bought my property in five years, look to a few buy to let properties, but definitely kind of, so as leverage my nine to five to kind of fund my side hustles, which maybe in 20 years will, will become my full-time job yeah I mean, you mentioned nine to five bashing and i completely agree with you there's so much of that that goes on and mm. i mean i mean yeah like a nine to five is, is it's not as it's not as sexy as a side hustle or a kind of starting a business but there's still a there's still a time and a place for for that because it's a great way to meet new people to to get new experience exactly, yeah. to earn a stable income which which you know is useful in terms of budgeting and sort of financial stability and forecasting so yeah there's there's so many positives to nine to five and uh yeah i wouldn't you know yeah for me personally i'm happy where i am and i kind of wouldn't want to throw that away to to just you know pre preach on instagram about about side hustles so yeah no, I, I completely agree i completely agree with that are you in a are you in a similar sort of position with your page uh so what my page so I just, the reason I created the account was that I'm just very passionate about investing and I wanted to create a forum for me to just put my stuff out there because mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about, yeah, about investing. So I, I, I'm kind of keen to not, not have really serious content on there. Like I, I want it to be informative, but I also want the stuff to be, you know, quite satirical as well. I, I like the idea yeah. of getting the odd, the odd meme on there. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the odd memes sort of interspersed with, with like serious stuff, and and I'm I'm very interested in investment philosophy, reading about different investors and how they've yeah. gone about it, uh, and and sort of distilling ideas down into key takeaways and sort of bite-sized chunks of knowledge that hopefully someone out there will be like, oh, cool, and then off the back of that, they'll they'll make a decision to invest and. And that'll set them on the path to financial freedom. So that's kind of what yeah. I'm doing. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, and then as well, I, I do this podcast as well, just to just to chat as well, just like long long form content uh, for yeah. people to listen to. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of the game plan. Um, yeah, just looking to basically build just build out a, a following, really, and just just doing it for, doing it for the love of it. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually yeah really enjoyed it because. I think the, the thing I've struggled with is actually trying to be consistent. So I've got a routine now of every, every Sunday, I'll spend half my day kind of scheduling posts for the week and trying to create my content then. So then during the week, um, I can create additional content if I want, but it's not so much of a, um, I guess, a task sometimes to create the content um, whilst I'm trying to study and do my nine to five because I always ended up either forgetting um, or not posting as much as I wanted to in a week. So kind of as I've been going along the last, last two months or so, um, really got into quite a, ry a rhythm now of posting regularly and trying to, um, I guess, keep up my uh, 
brand, I suppose. Yeah. Well, your your brand is very very <laughs> orange. It's very very eye catching. So I think. Uh, oh yeah. When I <laughs> I was um quite have enjoyed the color orange when I was a kid, and then um obviously just wanted to be a bit stand uh, like kind of stand out on it because there's so many different finance pages. Mm. Um, that was my kind of uh basis for the orange color but it is a bit um harsh on the eye sometimes <laughs> well no but it, you've done really well like you, you you're building a decent following already so uh yeah i i hope i hope that, that carries on and uh you know more people will be able to to listen to or listen or read what you what you have to say and in, t- in terms of in terms of scheduling content on the weekends i think that's that's pretty smart i mean i'm i'm a lot more uh, laissez-faire with the whole thing i i I kind of just uh, if I have an idea, I'm like, okay, cool, I'll write that down, and then and then you know the next day or so, I I try and put it on. But I I, I try yeah. and I try and post sort of at lunchtime, whenever I, whenever I post, or and I shed I schedule uh, posts through GoDaddy, um, which oh, is quite quite useful. I'm not sure what you use, but I'm just using um, the um, Insta- Instagram uh, content creator to do it. Okay, cool. Um, that's pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, and so for anyone listening, uh, if, if, say, you wanted to get in contact with you, Tom, what, what would be the best place? I know you've got the Instagram account. Is there any other, any other sort of uh, points of contact to get, to get in touch? Yeah, with so I guess I'm on, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at Zone Finance UK. Um, also have the same handle on TikTok. I'm quite less, less responsive on there. I've only done a few TikToks. I'm trying to understand it, to be honest, because first time I've ever used it. But I'll be most responsive on Instagram. Yeah, so if you just DM like at Zone Finance UK. Awesome. Well, uh, well, Tom, it's uh, it's been really great chatting to you, uh, and I wish I wish your account all the, all the best. And uh, yeah, hopefully you can dish out some more orange orange garish content. Where <laughs> <laughs> you know with some with some with some great great insights. Uh, but yeah, as I say, it's been it's been awesome to chat to you. And uh, thanks yeah, for having me. Best of luck with with moving back down to the big smoke. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having me, and I uh, really enjoyed the podcast so far. So I look forward to this one coming out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, lovely to chat. Um, have a good evening. Thanks you too. Cheers, Tom. Cheers, bye. Bye.